Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. You know, God loves life. I love life. And our my guest today uh, was 14 when she learned that she was the survivor of a botched abortion. Amazing, amazing story. She's uh, written a book called You Carried Me, a daughter's memoir. Melissa Auden is my guest. Melissa, welcome. Bill, thanks so much for having me. Did I say your last name correctly? No, but you Minnesotans really do pronounce it better than anybody else. That's it's what I was Uden. thinking. Uden. Really? Uden. <laughs> but that's the Minnesota way, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Odin. Oh, yeah. Get the phone. Yeah. Melissa's on the <laughs> phone. We're going to talk to Melissa. So, yeah, that, that's that's the way we say it here. So, so I, pre- I appreciate your patience with me. Hey, what, not a problem. Yeah. What, where does Uden come from? Well, actually, so German. Yeah. Oh, it sounded very German, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited about your book, and your story is absolutely amazing. And everyone here at Faith Radio can't wait to hear it, including, yes, including yours truly. Start, yeah, and I wanted to share, too, I have another book coming out in January of 2024 uh, with Focus on the Family. That is a book that has been a long time coming. So my first book is my memoir. This next book is where we share about 10 other abortion survivor stories Okay. and the stories of women who have experienced their abortions failing or they've stopped them or reversed them. So good books coming out. Yeah. So let me, um, let me take, let's go with your story uh, from being 14. When did, when did you start this journey and you, you had this discovery that you were the survivor of a botched abortion. How did that fall on a 14-year-old's ears? Definitely by accident. Okay. Um, you know, I often say nobody intends to tell their child that they survived an abortion, and there's no, you know, playbook, no book that tells families how to navigate this. And And part of the work that we do with the Abortion Survivors Network is help families navigate this. You know, we kind of learn by our own experiences, how to help people. And that's certainly what happened in my case. I'm a Midwestern girl, born and raised. So grew up in Northern Iowa. Um, If I had my way, I'd live in Minneapolis. (laughs) All right. But I can't stand the Minneapolis winters. But, uh, you know, grew up just kind of a normal farm girl in Iowa and, you know, grew up knowing I was adopted, knew I had been born prematurely. I, I knew lots of people who had those experiences. But I never could have imagined that the reason why I was placed for adoption or born premature was because I had survived a failed abortion. And that is what happened when I turned 14. My older sister was facing an unplanned pregnancy. And when our parents found out that she wasn't sure entirely what she was going to do about the pregnancy, they told her about my survival, hoping that it would make a difference in that decision that she was making. Wow. And that's when, <laughs> that's when it all came uh, to be not. That was the first time you learned about it, huh? It is. Yeah, I often, you know, I can joke now. It's been about 30 years, over 30 years. So I can I can laugh a little bit about it now. But, 
You know, I, I can say that my parents learned in that experience how quickly two teenage girls can share a secret because, <laughs> yeah. right, she she got to me first before they could. And, you know, again, that's through no fault of my parents. They were doing what they felt like they needed to do to save their grandchild's life. And it did. My sister did choose life for her son and, you know, went on and had other children. So, you know, if my minor discomfort could save a life, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. So Melissa, can we, where do you want to go next? Cause there's so many questions I want to ask. Do, do we want to talk about the day you met your birth mother? Ooh, we could talk about that. Yeah, that's the good thing about me, right? I, I often say God made me a good conversation starter. There's <laughs> I mean that that's pretty that's a that's a lot of a lot of people are very interested right now in this meeting, including Yeah. Me. So so not every abortion survivor is placed for adoption. There's a lot of misconceptions about survivors. I mean, unfortunately, the media fuels a lot of misconceptions. You know, people think that this doesn't happen, that we must have you know, wanted to be famous with this sort of story. And and I can tell you that I've never met a survivor who wanted this experience and, you know, myself included. So, and one of those misconceptions is that obviously they think that all survivors are placed for adoption and they're not. We find almost 70% of the survivors we work with at the Abortion Survivors Network are actually raised in their biological family. Hmm. That's but that's in my shocking. case, yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Except, you know, Bill, we know that the baby's not the problem. Right. Okay, Melissa, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm confused right now, which is not atypical. Um, <laughs> no, it's really not. But when you say there was an abortion attempt, but it didn't, they didn't pull, they didn't pull it off. So then the, the child they tried to abort comes back and lives with the family that tried to abort the child. That's right. You are. It sounds confusing, it's but very I, confusing. And, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. One of the stories we're sharing in the month of September is the story of a woman who stopped her abortion. And I think you can start to learn through her experience what that's like. So we we designated September as Babies Survive Abortions Awareness Month because there is just this, you know, general lack of awareness about abortion survivors and these experiences. And for good reason, Bill. I mean, when we know what abortion is and what it's supposed to do, of course, we wouldn't ever think that a baby survives it. Except even if you look in your state reports in Minnesota, you can read about how in 2022, there were 19 failed terminations of pregnancy. So hmm. that's 19 survivors yeah. in that reporting period. That's a lot. That is a lot. And we would say, based on our experience, that's also an underestimate because that's a very particular subset of the population of survivors. Mm -hmm. So most, most survivors are not even captured in state reports because those abortions are happening at two weeks, 10 weeks, 15 weeks. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody mm -hmm. knows it. The woman isn't going in to give birth saying, hey, you know what I did? Yeah, of course not. Yeah. So Melissa Uden is my guest and she has uh, written a book called You Carried Me. And I, I hate to re sound repetitive, Melissa, but let's get back to birth mom. 
Yes. So kind of going back to that place, I am one of those survivors who both survived an abortion and then was placed for adoption and, you know, found out my story at 14. You know, to be honest, Bill, it was one of the most difficult periods of my life because it's a very lonely place um, to find out that you survived an abortion. And when we live in a culture that you know, says that what happened to you is a right and a choice and people fight for that to be upheld. And, you know, the culture wants to say that you don't exist. It is a very painful place to be, especially to be 14 years old. So, you know, really had to go through a period of of healing. And, you know, I'm a person of, of faith. And so God really gave me a, a heart of forgiveness for my birth parents. And mm-hmm. that's what set me on the path to go looking for them, um, found out who they were, Oh man, about over 10 years into that journey. So started looking when I was about 19, didn't find them until I was almost 30. Mm-hmm. And then it was another seven years nearly after that, that it took to finally communicate with my birth mom. So, you know, the story of every abortion survivor is very different, um, but mine has been kind of this long and winding road to truth and reconciliation with them and restoration. So my birth mom, you know, if people are wondering about her, she really fits most statistics when it comes to abortion. She was 19. Mm-hmm. She was a college student. She was not married to my birth father. And unfortunately, she also fits that statistic of being coerced. And actually, in her case, she was literally forced into a hospital in Sioux City, Iowa to have that late term saline infusion abortion with me. And, you know, when my mom and dad adopted me, they were told that it was my birth mother's choice. But now through knowing her and her family, I know that it was her mother, my maternal grandmother, who forced that abortion upon her and, you know, had the means to make it happen. My grandmother was a prominent nurse at that hospital. Oh, wow. And so... What I never could have imagined is that there were so many secrets surrounding that abortion. And so, you know, here I go through finding out my story and really suffering to, you know, starting to heal and forgive them. And then, you know, having this this freedom in my my healing to go looking for them. And when I finally started to communicate with my birth mom back in 2013, I learned that really there were bigger secrets than even the fact that I survived this abortion procedure. The biggest secrets were that my grandmother was responsible for it. And my grandmother had told nurses at the hospital to leave me to die. And then the biggest bombshell, as if that wasn't enough, is that my birth mom had spent over 30 years of her life believing that I had died in that abortion. Oh, wow. Wow. It was, uh, was maternal grandma responsible for getting that news to her? That wasn't true. Yes. So maternal grandmother knew that I had survived. But um, didn't tell, you know, yeah, didn't tell your mom, your birth Right, mom. but yeah. did tell nurses in the neonatal intensive care unit to never tell my birth mom that I had survived. Okay, now you survived. Where are you in the hospital surviving? Are they rushing right. you to Right, I know, neo- it's so complicated, care? isn't it? It is so complicated. 
Yeah. So for people who aren't aware about this procedure, so the saline infusion was the most common abortion procedure performed back in the 1970s. And frankly, the reason why they stopped performing it is because too many of us as babies survived it. Oh, oh. Yeah. Doesn't that tell us something about abortion and about the abortion industry? Oh, does it ever? And if people ever want to read through reports, it is a really hard read, but one of the most profound readings you can have on failed abortions is called the Dreaded Complication Series. So that came out in 1981 out of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And in it, there are story after story of women and the babies who survive and the nurses talking about what this experience is like and commentary by abortionists who are calling the babies who survived dreaded complications. Mm. Okay. There's a lot yeah. to unpack. And yeah. what, what you find in that read bill is, you know, when babies like me survived this procedure, they weren't always provided medical care. And, you know, we live in a society that wants to say, oh gosh, you know, you guys are just making this up. Well, I wish that was the truth. I wish I didn't know the things that I know, but I know that at that hospital, babies like me who survived their abortion were placed in a bucket of formaldehyde in a utility closet to be picked up later as medical waste. Okay. I know that okay. because a nurse told me about how she did it. Mm. Now I'm just feeling rage. It's so sad, isn't it? Yeah, to it have is. to face this. Yeah. yeah. And that was supposed to be my fate. I mean, my first fate was death by poison and scalding. And then my next death would have been to land in a bucket of formaldehyde. Oh, 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 oh. okay. Yeah, unbelievable. Okay, Melissa, do I have permission here to take a quick break? You sure do. Okay. I'm, I want to make sure I'm checking in with you on this because this story is, I don't know where to break. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Melissa Oden is my guest. We're going to continue after a short break, uh, coming back and hearing more of her story, which is truly amazing. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Melissa Uden. She's written a book called You Carried Me. She was a abortion survivor. And Melissa, feel free to ask me if my rage subdued it all during the break. Go ahead and ask me. <laughs> yeah, are you feeling better? That was a great No, I'm not. No, I'm not feeling better. It's it's just it's an unbelievable story that you were they tried to kill you with a saline a saline in, injection. And then they were going to leave you in a bucket of formaldehyde. This is, I'm just, I'm just so angry. And I'm wondering when the doctor who has to try to preserve and save life is told that what he's being asked to do or paid to do or whatever it, you call it is to terminate the life of this beautiful child inside this mother's womb because it's not convenient. And all of a sudden, young baby Melissa is emerging and then what? He can't really do anything anymore because you're, you've come to life. Yeah, this is where it gets complicated, doesn't oh, does it? it because, ever? because in our society, people will say, well, there's laws against infanticide. Yes, and there are. 
<laughs> and just because there are laws doesn't mean that people always follow them. So, you know, in my case, I do know that there were demands made by my grandmother to leave me to die, but I am so grateful and blessed that God knew who to have on staff that day at the hospital. And there was a nurse who defied her orders and rushed me off to the NICU. So oh, love it. my mom and dad had told me that story when mm -hmm. I first found out and they were told that it was a couple of nurses, but I mean, God, it is very, you know, faithful, faithful love and care of me has brought a nurse into my life who received me there in the NICU that day and can identify who the one nurse was. Wow. Now, have you been able to discover these people and have any contact with them? Yeah, I, I am just, you know, beyond just so grateful on how God has weaved other people's lives together with mine. You know, that's what I want our world to understand. When a baby survives an abortion, it isn't just their life that we're talking about. We're talking about the woman and we're talking about the family and we're talking about, you know, nurses and other professionals who, who are involved in that. And, you know, in my experience, what God did was weave these storylines of immense love. I was loved. I have been able to have contact with the nurse who received me in the NICU. She actually lives in Minnesota. Um, our, our plans to meet have been derailed a couple of different times. Mm -hmm. And I'm not surprised by how that gets derailed because this is important for us to meet. But um, yeah, I am so grateful to know her. And then I have uh, a nurse who I just was with a couple weeks ago. She was not a nurse yet, but she was a volunteer studying to be a nurse when she got to hold me at the University of Iowa hospitals, um, where I was transferred when I was about 21 days old. And, you know, she had asked the nurses why when I was a couple of months old that I didn't have a name. And they told her what had happened to me. And um, she never forgot me. And she came looking for me as an adult. And wow. um that will always choke me up. I mean, don't we all want that? We want oh to be seen and we want to be loved. Yeah, we want to be seen, noticed, cared for, loved, valued, all of it. And nobody does that as good as Jesus. Hmm. All right, Melissa, this beautiful nurse that raced you to the NICU, um, it, she retired from nursing? She did, okay. but... You know, what I love is that she made it clear when we had communication that day impacted her life in yeah. terms of how she thought she would raise her own family. Right. Because she she knew what my grandmother had done to my birth mother. And so she knew that she would learn from that about how she was going to live her life. And she also knew in that moment of time how she felt about abortion and being a nurse, right? So I just love that in the midst of some really awful circumstances, God really did use it for good. Mm -hmm. Melissa Uden is my guest. She's the founder of the Abortion Survivors Network and an advocate for women, men, and children impacted by abortion. And your book was the Christianity Today 2018 award winner, wasn't it? It was. That seems forever ago right now. <laughs> it does, but way to go. Uh, it's a powerful story. Um, so when you start to hear other people's stories, I, I bet it's just so powerful to come alongside 
other survivors and say, we're in this together. It is. And most survivors really do think they're the only one. And and certainly you wouldn't know by looking at our culture or reading the reports of the media that there are babies surviving abortions still today. So yeah, there's something so powerful to know that you're not alone. And, you know, that really changed my life to give up a career as a social worker and get involved in the pro-life movement. And it really was, you know, meeting other people and hearing their stories and discovering that the needs that I once had were still the needs of so many other people. And that's, you know, how we even became an organization because there is this incredible need that exists for survivors and families around the world to find healing and to find community support and to be given skills to share their story, even if it's just to have a conversation, a really hard conversation in a family, right? But maybe they wanna go forward and share their story. We get this great opportunity to help amplify survivors' voices in whatever capacity they feel called. And then we also get to provide research and information because these kind of stories should not be swept under a rug. The Our culture needs to know about this. Yeah, it's so true. And the stories are so powerful and, and, and there's, for me, it's very distracting to hear a story like this because it is so off my radar. Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 what happened to you? And God bless this nurse that races you to the NICU and saves your life. Yeah, and we often hear that, right? The kind of the predominant response from people is, what? And then they go, well, now that couldn't have happened. And I kind of go, well, hold on. You know, I know far more stories that are just as powerful as mine. I mean, we just had a baby born a couple of weeks ago, Bill, who um, little little guy's mom took the chemical abortion pill back in March and was told this works, right? I mean, women leave clinics being told their abortion worked. That's, that's the belief. That's the intention. And as weeks turned into months, she had a whole lot of stomach pain, couldn't figure out what was going on, went back to the doctor and guess what? She was still pregnant. Still pregnant. Yep. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. (laughs) All right, Melissa, we've got lots more to talk about and we got to get back to mom, birth mom. Oh, yes. I mean, I want to hear about adopted parents. I want to hear about birth mom. I want to hear about birth dad. And was there an opportunity to meet him? Was there reconciliation? Was there forgiveness? Uh, what's in your resentment bank? Do you still have stuff in there? I'm just curious about so much stuff, but we do have to take a short break and we will come back. Uh, and I, I hope you're still here when I come back. You will, won't you still be here? I'll hang on. Oh, good. God, that makes me very nervous. Melissa <laughs> Uden is my guest. She's written a book called You Carried Me, a daughter's memoir. And you can uh, learn more about that. And if you go to uh, amazon.com, you can check it out. I know that you can get a sample uh, chapter. You read it and get started on her amazing book. We'll take a break and be right back.
Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Prime time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. So glad to be talking to Melissa Uden. She is uh, an author. I've written a book called You Carried Me, a daughter's memoir. She's an abortion survivor. And when um, we were just going to break, Melissa, and I was joking that I hope you're still there when I come back. I know you've got uh, a busy schedule. You've got kids, I think, coming back from school. And it's amazing to me that you gave birth at the very same hospital that you survived your abortion at. Yes. One of the things that uh, I've told God I wasn't going to do, you know, I could never set foot in that hospital. It was such a source of, of pain for me, but you know, God's plans were much greater than mine. And so, yes, our oldest daughter who is now 15, Olivia was born at St. Luke's hospital, the very same hospital where my life was supposed to end. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. It is, you know, not, it, it wasn't just a blessing for me. It was really for medical professionals who were able to meet me. I mean, that's why I knew God was giving me that sign because I got to meet professionals who knew me, who knew my grandmother. And for me, that was the restoration that they needed, right? Even more than me. Mm -hmm. All right. Now let me start with my list of, of question, probing questions. So (laughs) (laughs) was there a maternal grandma who was sort of behind all this? Whatever happened in that relationship? I never had an opportunity to meet my okay. maternal grandmother. Okay. So um, she passed away well over a decade ago. Okay. Um, you know, I I still pray for her. Okay. I really do. It has been my sincerest hope that, you know, she came to a place in her life of, you know, asking for forgiveness um, and being repentant. I, okay. I wish I could tell you that, I saw that in her relationship with my birth mom, but unfortunately, you know, that relationship was forever changed. By the time I got to know my birth mother, they were estranged. Okay. So you didn't have, you weren't holding resentment or unforgiveness toward her that was sort of pushing your birth mother to do what she did. Right. I mean, you know, the the lens that I look through, and this is where people kind of go, whoa, can she be for real? Um, and for me, this is just a supernatural grace. This is not me. I mean, 100%. I know it's not me. Um, I look at every single person involved in that abortion, from my birth parents to my abortionist to my grandmother. And I look at them through the eyes of just another fellow broken human being. Wow. We all make mistakes. Oh my gosh, every single day I'm apologizing to my kids for something, right, that I've said or done. And and I always have to remember that Jesus died for them as much as he did for the people that I love. Mm-hmm. And that that changes the way you see the world. It changes the way you see people. It changes the way you live. It does. I mean, we're you look at everyone as a soul with an eternal destiny and they're image bearers and broken. Yeah, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean we, we agree with the behavior, right? Right. 
but it means we understand the brokenness that leads broken people to do broken things. And we know that, that there is redemption and hope for yeah. everyone. We should never be surprised when people in a lost world exhibit lost behavior. Mm, mm-hmm. So let's get back to birth mom. So 10 years looking for, at 30 you discover, then seven years of communication. Was there an in-person, face-to-face? Yeah, so I found out who she was when I was 30, and it wasn't until, yeah, about seven years later that we finally had some contact. Um, You know, it was complicated. There were so many secrets. She didn't know that I had survived. And so, you know, between that time of me finding out who she was and then us communicating, it was her needing to find out from her family that I had survived and then having to start going through that process of, you know, healing and accepting that she's loved and forgiven. And I know that people from the outside looking in would say, man, what do you mean you guys haven't met? Because once I found out who she was and we started to communicate back in 2013, we did not meet face to face until 2016. Mm. And people were going, gosh, if you love her, why don't you meet? And I was saying, man, you don't know what it's like to live in her shoes, to think that her child died and then to find out she's alive. Yes, this is incredible. What a blessing. But at the same time, she has the guilt and the shame of an abortion that she thought was successful for 30 years. Uh, yeah. And, and I think for me, one of the hardest parts was, you know, she was never loved unconditionally in her family the way that I was by mine. And so she had to learn that when I said I loved her and I forgave her and her entire family, she had to see the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't afraid to walk that out and let her see it. Mm-hmm. So, so we met face to face for the first time in 2016. I talked about it in my book, You Carried Me. And, you know, it's one of those things that's really, really hard to even talk about or write about because it's just so sacred, Bill. It's one of those things, you know, that this was the, this was the story, right? God intended for you to be together and to, um, to just know how many things happened in almost 40 years to prevent that from happening. I mean, it really is just one of the most beautiful experiences. Yeah. You're killing my next question though, Melissa. When you well, said, what is no, you're killing my next question because you said it's so hard to talk about it. My next question was, I, I would love to know what it was like when you guys walked in the same room and looked at each other. Was there just uh, a, a bunch of tears and hugs? Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we met at a zoo. That sounds weird. Um, I, can, I, I like to normalize this experience and say, you know, we really are just ordinary people um, trying to walk this out and... Um, you know, I didn't talk about it in my book at first, but the reason why I met my birth mom when I did is because we moved to Kansas City from Iowa. And the reason why her family reached out to me is because this is also where my birth mother lives. Okay. So she lives in Kansas City in the metro area. And okay. so does one of my half sisters. Okay. So, um, you know, for me, that's a total God thing. And that's what allowed us to to walk that out and meet in person. And so, yeah, we met at the zoo and I I wanted to run away. And I told my husband that much, you know, we had 
my birth mom and I communicated for three years and there was still that little part of me that said, no, I'm out of here. Right. This is just overwhelming. But I could see her in the distance and my half sister was standing next to her. And, and when I walked up, my half sister took my birth mom, Ruth's hand and put it in mine. And, um, you know, that was very symbolic. Killing me. me. I'm the oldest sister of that family. I have two younger half sisters. And so that, that meant a lot. Yeah. Um, That is beautiful image. I'm just tearing up over here. And then Ruth um, said to me that day, you know, she gave me a hug and she said, I I never got to hold you. Why would you? You know, yeah, good point. Hmm. But that's right. That's something I think that every every parent can relate to. I mean, I can't imagine having a child that I didn't get to hold. Um, And, you know, People don't even understand, I think, sometimes what it's like to be in Ruth's shoes. I mean, even in the pro-life movement, sometimes people are so judgmental of women like my birth mom and saying, well, why didn't she fight? Why didn't she do this? You know, no woman should ever have to fight people forcing an abortion upon her. Um, You know, it just. We want better for women than that. And so, you know, she was essentially robbed of me two times, you know, robbed of me in an abortion that was forced upon her and then robbed of me when I was whisked away and she didn't know that I had survived the abortion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was this deep longing. um, And so that moment was just incredible. Mm. What did you learn about uh, birth um, man, birth my birth father. Well, father. I mean, he wasn't really a father to you, so he. I'm. I'm just trying to. Right. He was my bio. He's my biological father. Your yeah. biological father. That's, that's kind of what I meant, because father mm-hmm. is such an important word, and uh, to take on the role of fatherhood is so significant and honoring. And he was not that person for you, so I don't know why I tried to dance around that word, but I apologize. No, that's okay. I think it's hard, right? Where it is the hard. terminology is. Yeah is difficult. You know, I, I always am very clear. My mom and dad are my adoptive parents, right? For descriptive purposes, when I talk about them, right. I have to say my adoptive parents, but trust me, they are my mom and dad. Oh, I know they are. And, and Ruth knows that as well. Of and, course. um, you know, that's one of the things that I do really love about Ruth is she loves my mom and dad and has made it clear that they are my mom and dad and there is no, you know, tension or yeah. conflict she she's so grateful for them mm-hmm. but my biological father um you know i'll never probably know bill if he knew that i had survived okay either. and he's passed on he has yep. he passed away um over a decade ago and you know as hard as that was because i had found out who she, who he was i had sent him a letter never got any response. And he, he died within about six months of me sending that letter. And, you know, I, I learned right before Olivia was born in 2008, that he had passed away. But what I never could have imagined is that God was working in the midst of those circumstances as well. And so when he died, his family found the letter that I had sent him. And so that's how they learned why my biological parents relationship their engagement they had been engaged when she became pregnant with me Mm -hmm. Uh, 
that's how they learned why the relationship had ended. And they did not know about the pregnancy and they did not know about the abortion or that I had survived. Mm-hmm. Melissa Uden is my guest. Her book is called You Carried Me, a daughter's memoir. She spells her last name O-H-D-E-N. If you live in Minnesota, you're inclined to say Odin, but that's just not the way it's pronounced. It's Uden. So uh, Melissa, I really want to hear about your, your mom and dad now. Oh, my mom and dad. Um, oh, man. What can I say? Oh, you um, say a lot. Yeah. I was, <laughs> my parents are just ordinary people, right? Good, hardworking. You know, my dad was a farmer, lost his farm in the crisis of the early 1980s. Um, just people I think that everyone can relate to. And you know, my mom and dad had been foster parents, and then they adopted my older sister from another family uh, because they were infertile for about 15 years. So they fostered, they adopted my sister, and then they adopted me, being told that I was a special needs adoption. And, you know, my parents didn't really have a penny to their name, if I'm being honest, Bill, right, as as farmers in that that time period. But my parents knew that they were called to be my parents. And, um, you know, that is so meaningful to me. Here I am 46 years old and I get choked up about the fact that my parents knew that they were called to be my it's parents. so beautiful. And they weren't afraid, right? How many times are we afraid in this world of <clears throat> saying yes to things, right? The things that are maybe complicated or uncertain mm-hmm. or a little bit messy, and you would not know by looking at my mom and dad that they are just like, man, they transformed my life and they transformed the world because of it. Mm-hmm. And so I just want people to realize that like, man, it's so simple every day. Just say yes, if you know that you're being called and just love people unconditionally. Yeah. Not knowing what the outcome of that is going to be. All right, Melissa, let me take our last break. Melissa Uden is my guest. Her book is called You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Melissa Uden. Her book is You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. And before the break, Melissa, you had mentioned that your parents adopted you I'm curious because you said you were a special needs child. How did you, how did you explain that to me? Yeah. So when I was placed for adoption, the doctors really did not know what my life was going to look like. So when I survived that abortion, I weighed about two pounds, 14 ounces, which, you know, was a pretty clear indication. My birth mom was much further along than the 18 to 20 weeks that the abortionist had written on my medical record. So Uh, In my records, it actually, a neonatologist remarked after I was rushed to the NICU that I was probably 31 weeks. So I suffered from a lot of issues at first, Um, you know, seizures for an extended period of time. The doctors thought I had a fatal heart defect because I presented with so much distress. Um, I had jaundice. I had respiratory problems. The doctors had shared with social workers, you know, they weren't sure if I was going to suffer from multiple disabilities throughout my lifetime. And so I was a special needs adoption. And, you know, my mom and dad didn't hesitate for a second to open their hearts in their home to me. And 
you know, I think my mom has shared by the time I was, you know, like a year old, the doctors had given me a, a clean bill of health saying mm. she's going to go on to live what we would say would be a quote unquote normal life. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. So when your parents brought you home, how old were you and how much did you weigh? I got I know to go it's home not, to my mom. And, I know it's yeah. not polite to ask a woman her, her, uh, her weight. Right, her right. weight, yeah. This one, this one we can. <laughs> okay, good. I I was given that all clear to go home to my mom and dad when I finally reached five pounds. Okay. So um, that was October. So I was born the uh, the end of August that I went home to my mom and dad in October of 1977. Okay, fantastic. And you had um, some more, they, an, another sibling or two, your mom and dad? Yeah. So at that time I had an older sister who's okay. also an adoptee. And then it was just us for okay. another, gosh, a number of years. My younger brother is actually my parents' biological son. Say that one more time. Cause I'm, yep, I'm kind I know, of a slow right? learner. So my, my brother is actually my parents' biological child. So after 15 years of infertility, wow. they had awesome. a child biologically, which, wow. yeah, right. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> what a blessing that was. Yeah, it was really exciting. I, I, you know, I often joke about it. My sister and I were really shocked to find out <laughs> that that my mom was pregnant. We were like, what? Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, so what is the age spread between you and your older s sister? Yeah. So my older sister is four years older than I am. And then my brother is um, seven years younger than I am. Yeah. Now in the uh, abortion survivors network, your story is phenomenal, of course. And have you had another story recently that uh, feels a little bit like uh, something you can share? Oh, yes. I'd love to share the stories. You know, we serve abortion survivors around the world. So quite simply, an abortion survivor is is someone who survives an attempt to abort them in the womb. So that might be, you know, a, a surgical abortion. It might be chemical abortion pills in today's a, day and age. And, you know, honestly, chemical abortion pills have a high failure rate and even a high complication rate. So we see um, many more abortion survivors now with the chemical pill and women reaching out to us for help and for hope. So we have social workers on our team. One of them is from Minnesota. Uh, I have lots of Minnesota connection in my life and in my work, but um, we have social workers who come alongside moms who have lots of questions and concerns and wrestle with you know, whether they should have another abortion after the first one failed. So you know, this happened before Roe, it's hap it happened during Roe to babies like me, and it's happening even after Roe has been overturned. But um, gosh, we have so many powerful stories. I think one of my um, top of mind ones, just because I've been talking to this mom a lot lately, um, we get to come alongside families like my mom and dad, adoptive mm -hmm. parents who, you know, are wrestling with how to support their surviving child. Do you ever tell them their story? How do you even have this conversation? And we had a family who reached out when they were adopting their child from Serbia who survived an abortion at 28 weeks. And, you know, we we knew they knew that they weren't alone, that this kiddo wasn't alone. And when she started asking a lot of questions about, you know, her birth story as opposed to her other siblings, um, 
they knew that they needed to talk about it. So they reached out to our team and our social worker got to teach them, you know, how do we, how do we have a conversation about abortion in the first place, which is pretty uncomfortable for most people. And then how do you talk about the fact that babies survive? And then further down the line, right, then you can introduce the concept of, hey, by the way, this is part of your story. So it's, you know, we were, we had a plan. And so they instituted that plan. And, you know, this little girl was 10 years old. And I can say her name because we're going to be talking about her a lot in videos and in podcasts, and you'll see her soon. But this young lady's name is Milena. And, you know, when she first found out her story, she had a similar response to me at the age of 14, right? It was very painful and she had a lot of questions. But what was different this time is that mom got to say, you're not alone. That was something that didn't happen for me, right? And for countless hundreds of other survivors that we served. And so she got to find out she wasn't alone and she asked to meet me. And so I will never forget meeting this girl when she was 10 years old. She said a couple things to me that have impacted me forever. But one of them she said was, you know, will anybody ever love me? Because she said, "If I want to be a wife and I want to be a mommy someday, but will anybody ever love me if they find out what my, my biological mother did to me? Mm. And I share that because that is the heart of who survivors are. We are so afraid that we are unlovable, <laughs> that we're unworthy, yeah. and that if anybody finds out what, what happened to us, that they won't want to know us or be around us, that we're going to be rejected once again. Oh, simply not true. Just simply not, not true, true. But I can understand it. That feels yeah. like a pretty significant rejection. It is. But that's yeah. what I got to say to that little girl is, you know what, honey, y your story is what shocks people. It's not you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I got to tell her, I said, man, my job, Milena, is to change the world. Yeah. So that someday if you ever want to share your story with other people, they're not going to be shocked by it. Yeah. Melissa, what do you say to somebody that is uh, saying, well, no, that I just have a clump of cells in my belly. Mm. And that, that, that's why I'm, I'm going to proceed with an abortion because I mean, it's my choice and it's just fetal cells. Well, what would you say to that person? Right. The body inside your body is not your body. Yeah. You know, um, we know science tells us clearly when life begins and that is a distinct individual with their own separate DNA. And, you know, I would just ask people to be consistent in, in their beliefs, right? If we are out there saying that every person deserves respect, then why aren't we showing respect to the baby in the womb? They are the most vulnerable among us. They, they should not be treated any differently because of their location. Right. Uh, and I want people to understand that no matter what they're going through, there is always help. You know, I mean, I meet people in really difficult, horrible circumstances. And I am here to say circumstances are temporary. Abortion is permanent. So good. So the Abortion Survivors Network. Uh, tell us a little bit more ab about that and how people can follow uh, what's going on in that um, network. Absolutely. You can find the Abortion Survivors Network's website. It's abortionsurvivors.org. Our handles on social media are at the Abortion Survivors Network. 
Um, and we are a nonprofit that serves abortion survivors around the world. So our youngest survivors are babies in utero right now who have survived the first attempt to abort them. And mm. our social workers are working with their moms to, you know, alleviate the crises that they have and, um, you know, garner support for them so that they don't um, go through yet another abortion with that surviving baby, because that does happen. Um, once a baby survives, they're still at risk. Um, they stay with those moms throughout pregnancy. And even as they're parenting, we have support groups that run um, so that those moms can receive both, you know, social work support and community support, being around other women who have gone through similar experiences. I mean, that's what women need to know that they're not alone as well. And, you know, our ultimate goal is to heal families so that we can end that generational trauma of abortion by intervening in that survivor's life. So, you know, the youngest survivors are babies. We serve, you know, children. We serve a lot of adults um, worldwide who survived abortions as babies in the womb. So we have, you know, a specialized healing curriculum that we run. We have um, specialized support to, to help them share their story and stay emotionally well as they do it. We give them opportunities to be involved. So we're launching advocates and then ambassadors. So if folks go to on, onto our website, you'll start to see that there are awareness advocates popping up in, in states and even in other countries. And those yeah. are adult survivors who, you know, get to share their story and raise awareness uh, and wow. change our culture. Yeah. Melissa, amazing. Thank you for taking time today. I've just no, enjoyed this pleasure. so much. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great uh, rest of the day. Melissa Odin has been, Odin has been my guest. I always want to say Odin because I'm from Minnesota. I can't help myself. The book is You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. That's our show. Have a great night. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.